0: Welcome to Crime, Corruption, and Cocktails, the true crime podcast where we look at cases of corruption and negligence and examine their historical and cultural implications. Today, I'm drinking a peach spiked iced tea. What do you having, Jenny? I'm drinking a hot chocolate with peppermint schnapps, and on today's
1: episode, we're discussing the Deepwater Horizon oil spill, which is the largest accidental oil spill in world history. The Deepwater Horizon rig was a state-of-the-art semi-submersible oil drilling rig owned by TransOcean that was under lease to BP from March 2008 until September 2013 for about $500,000 a day. BP also owned the mineral rights to drill for oil in the area and hoped that deepwater drilling would help expand them. The Deepwater Horizon's platform was 396 feet long and 256 feet wide. and The drilling unit was capable of operating in harsh environments and water depths of up to 10,000 feet. The Deepwater Horizon was used to drill wells, find oil, and set up the production for another rig. At the time of the incident, it was drilling a deep exploratory well that was 18,360 feet below sea level and approximately 5,100 feet of water. The 10-year-old rig was situated in the Macondo Oil Prospect in the Mississippi Canyon, a valley in the continental shelf approximately 41 miles or 66 kilometers off the coast of Louisiana. Oil well below the seafloor is under great pressure, and to keep everything under control, workers use mud, a man made liquid that keeps the oil and gas down while simultaneously keeping the well under control. The uncontrolled release of crude oil or natural gas from the well is called a blowout, and a specialized valve or similar mechanical device used to seal, control, and monitor oil and gas wells is a blowout preventer or BOP. The deep gulf was a notoriously difficult area to drill for oil. Placing a deep well down into the earth is not easy and is only made more complicated by hurricanes and storms. BP knew the area was difficult as the drilling project was weeks behind schedule and had gone over budget. However, moving too fast was not the best option as it could result in damage and safety issues. Crew members, who were largely employed by Transocean, later said the well was a nightmare from the moment they started in October 2009. The Deepwater Horizon crew faced immense pressure from BP due to the delay of the project. Transocean had a checkered history of safety incidents. From 2008 to February 15, 2010, TransOcean was the owner of 42% of rigs active in the Gulf, but was responsible for 73% of incidents. This rise in incidents was likely due to their merger with Global Santa Fe. And BP had a culture of putting profits before safety. The once mediocre organization was growing at a rapid pace without maintaining quality. They had previously been found willfully negligent in a 2005 Texas refinery explosion that killed 15 workers and injured over 170 others. The refinery was not well taken care of or upgraded and workers feared for their lives. At one point, there was a casualty about every 18 months and fires on a weekly basis. Then in 2006, 260,000 gallons of oil leaked from a BP pipeline in Alaska. Once again, BP had been focused on cutting costs instead of maintaining the pipeline, which caused the spill. Two days later, another spill happened on the same pipeline. In 2007, Tony Hayward became BP's new CEO and claimed the company would make safety its top priority.
0: Though the Deepwater Horizon was a relatively safe rig, some safety issues arose. In May 2008, the Deepwater Horizon's platform tilted due to a pipe being incorrectly removed from the platform's ballistic system. This incident caused 77 non essential employees to be evacuated. In addition to safety concerns, there were environmental concerns. In March of 2010, damage to the BLP's rubber gasket, the annulator, was discovered when chunks of the annulator began floating up to the deck of the rig. This damage was never officially reported after a rig worker was told by a trans-ocean supervisor that the damage was normal. The annular is used to seal well from pressure tests, and those tests determine whether or not dangerous gas is coming in. Therefore, damage to the annular results in unreliable tests. One of the control pods was also damaged and lost some functions. Standard operating procedures would be to fix this, but that did not happen. On the morning of April 20th, 2010, several of the BP and Transocean executives were on board for a tour of the rig and to congratulate the senior staff of the rig for seven years of operations without a lost time incident. According to Mike Williams, chief electronics technician, there was an argument between BP and Transocean. The project was coming to a close and the plan was for Halliburton to place three concrete plugs acting as quartz in the oil column before sealing the well. Transocean wanted to do this with the column full of mud to keep pressure contained. BP wanted to start removing mud And replacing it with lighter seawater before the last plug was set in order to do things faster and save money. BP won that argument, began removing the mud, and decided against proper cement block testing. In the days prior, they tested to make sure other equipment was working and that the pressure was down. But remember, The annular was damaged and the test results were not correct. At approximately 9.41 p.m. that night, mud began flowing down from the crown or top of the rig. The crew struggled to seal the well when a strong jolt occurred and the combustive gas alarms began going off. A bubble of methane gas then shot up the drill column, expanding quickly as it burst through several seals and barriers before exploding. The mud that was removed earlier that day caused the pressure to rise. The plugs fell and a blowout happened. In the control room where Mike Williams worked, the engines were revving above normal and rising the explosion blew off the control room's fire doors and blew workers into the air and caused severe damage to the platform. No one could see anything inside and Williams had to crawl in order to get outside. Another explosion happened and bridge officer Andrea hit the general alarm calling for an evacuation, meaning everyone would proceed to their muster station and the general distress buttons to call for mayday. There were no walkways or railings left on the platform. A fire soon began and took over the platform.
1: Around 10 p.m. crew members were forced to escape an abandoned ship. There was no propulsion or power on board. The BOP, which should have engaged automatically, failed, and the emergency backup did not work either. At this time, Lifeboat 1 descended and disconnected from the platform as some crew members jumped 90 to 100 feet into the waters below. Flatas gave the last call to abandon ship, but the level of panic made evacuating difficult. Lifeboat 2 was released into the water as Flaitas, Williams, the captain, and others were on their way over. More explosions were happening and debris was falling everywhere. The remaining crew deployed a life raft and got several into it. In the chaos, the team would not find the paddles and two men had to jump out and pull the raft to safety. Flames and heat from all sides of the deck were meeting and creating a solid wall of fire. A supply vessel that sat next to the Deepwater Horizon launched their own emergency rafts, and prepared ladders when they saw crew members jumping overboard off of the burning rig. William's Flatos, and the remaining survivors were forced to jump into the water where they were rescued. The Coast Guard helicopter arrived around 11.22 p.m., and the team could feel heat in the cockpit. The fire's flames were flying even higher than the helicopter. There were 115 survivors of the Deepwater Horizon incident and 17 injured crew members were taken to trauma centers via helicopter. The Coast Guard searched for the missing 11 crew members and the search was sadly called off on April 23rd. The uninjured workers were transported to a hotel in Kenner, Louisiana, where they were provided with food, medical attention, and rooms with showers and asked to fill out incident response forms. Doug Brown, the chief mechanic on board, later claimed he was interviewed by TransOcean lawyers and was not allowed to have his own lawyer at the time. This was also done after the surviving crew members had been awake for over 40 hours. Brown felt this was part of a deliberate strategy from BP and that he felt pressured to sign a non-disclosure agreement. TransOcean has denied these allegations. Two days after the accident, the Deepwater Horizon vessel, which was still on fire, sank into the ocean. That same day, Coast Guard Petty Officer Ashley Butler stated that, quote, oil was leaking from the rig at the rate of 8,000 barrels or 340,000 U.S. gallons of crude oil per day, end quote. The spill lasted 87 days before a temporary cap was placed on the well. Containment barriers stretching over 4.2 million feet were used either to corral the oil or to protect ecologically sensitive areas. The booms would extend above and below the water surface and were effective only in relatively calm and slow-moving waters. Booms were criticized for washing up on the shore with oil, allowing oil to escape above or below the boom. When oil was recovered, it was removed via combustion, offshore filtration, and collection for later processing.
0: BP asked for approval to use the chemical oil dispersant, cracks it. So the oil would not reach coastlines. Corexit was banned in Europe and essentially makes it look as though the oil has disappeared, but in reality only breaks down oil into smaller particles where it then sinks below the surface. Due to the size of the oil spill, BP along with the Coast Guard and EPA decided to release Corexit at the wellhead as a purely quote-unquote experimental move. Environmental scientists expressed concern that the dispersant added to the toxicity of the spill. The dangers are even greater when poured into the source of a spill because they are picked up by the current and washed through the gulf. According to BP and federal officials, dispersant use stopped after the cap was in place. However, marine Toxicologist Ricky Ott wrote in an open letter to the EPA that Corexic use continued after that date. According to a manual obtained by the Government Accountability Project, Corexic 9527 is a quote, eye and skin irritant. Repeated or excessive exposure may cause injury to red blood cells, kidney, or the liver, end quote. The manual adds, quote, do not get an eyes on skin on clothes. Wear suitable protective clothes. Avoid breathing vapor, end quote. Following the accident, many wondered who or what was to blame as several different companies were involved in operating, owning, and producing equipment for the Deepwater Horizon. The U.S. government also came under fire for subsidizing deep water drilling and allowing these corporations to work with little oversight. Some observers suggested that the Obama administration was being overly aggressive in its criticisms, which some BP investors saw as an attempt to deflect criticism of its own handling of the crisis. Public opinion polls in the U.S. were generally critical of the way President Obama and the federal government handled the disaster and were extremely critical of BP's response. People across the U.S. protested outside of BP gas stations and facilities. In May 2010, the Obama administration requested the National Academy of Engineering conduct an independent technical investigation to determine the root cause of the disaster so that corrective steps could be taken to address the mechanical failures underlying the accident. Six months later, the independent 15-member committee convened by the National Academy of Engineering released a report stating BP and others, including federal regulators, ignore quote-unquote near-misses. They determined that sealing the well continued, quote, despite several indications of potential hazard, end quote, like tests showing the cement was not strong enough to prevent oil and gas from escaping. The explosion aboard the rig could not be caused by one single factor by any particular company, but that the company's focus on speed over safety led to the accident. The United States House Committee on Energy and Commerce conducted a number of hearings, including hearings of Tony Haywood, Halliburton, and Deepwater Horizon crew members. Other major executives from oil companies testified that BP did not perform at industry standards. According to the U.S. congressional investigation, the rig's blowout preventer had an hydraulic leak and a failed battery and therefore failed. During the hearings, employee Tyrone Bitten told the BBC that a leak was spotted on a crucial piece of equipment in the oil rig's blowout preventer weeks before the accident and that Transocean and BP were emailed about it. On January 5, 2011, the White House Oil Spill Commission released a final report finding that BP, Halliburton, and Transocean had attempted to work more cheaply and thus helped to trigger the explosion and ensuing leakage. In the months following the disaster,
1: BP set up a $20 billion claims fund. The funds would be used for natural resource damages, state and local response costs, and individual compensation, but could not be used for fines or penalties. Both the fund and its administrator were criticized about the amount and speed of payments as well as a lack of transparency. An auditor found that 7,300 claimants were wrongly denied or underpaid. As a result, about $64 million of additional payments were made. In a New York Times opinion piece, Stephen Teague, staff attorney at the Mississippi Center for Justice, argued that BP had become, quote, increasingly brazen. In stonewalling payments," end quote, and he went on to say, "quote, but tens of thousands of Gulf residents still haven't been fully compensated for their losses, and many are struggling to make ends meet. Many low-wage workers in the fishing and service industries, for example, have been seeking compensation for lost wages and jobs for three years." End quote. BP also faced many lawsuits and settled roughly 100,000 claims filed by individuals and businesses affected by the spill. A year after the explosion and spill, BP filed a $40 billion lawsuit against Transocean, Halliburton, and blowout preventer manufacturer Cameron. A number of other corporations settled with BP for massive amounts. On September 4, 2014, U.S. District Judge Carl Barber ruled BP was guilty of gross negligence and willful misconduct under the Clean Water Act. He described BP's actions as quote-unquote reckless, while he said Transocean's and Halliburton's actions were quote-unquote negligent. He apportioned 67% of the blame for the spill to BP, 30% to Transocean, and 3% to Halliburton. Fines would be apportioned commiserate with the degree of negligence of the parties measured against the number of barrels of oil spilled. Under the Clean Water Act, fines can be based on a cost per barrel of up to $4,300 at the discretion of the judge. The number of barrels was in dispute at the conclusion of the trial, with BP arguing 2.5 million barrels were spilled over the 87 days the spill lasted, while the court found that 4.2 million barrels were spilled. In October 2011, the United States Department of the Interior's Minerals Management Service was dissolved after it was determined it had exercised poor oversight over the drilling industry. Three new agencies replaced it, separating the regulation, leasing, and revenue collection responsibilities. In late 2012, BP and the U.S. Department of Justice reached a settlement where BP agreed to plead guilty for 11 felony counts related to the deaths of the 11 workers and pay $4.5 billion in fines and other payments, the largest of its kind in U.S. history. TransOcean pled guilty to lesser charges as well. In addition, the U.S. government temporarily banned BP from new federal contracts over its quote-unquote lack of business integrity. In addition to the private lawsuits and civil governmental actions, the federal government charged multiple companies and five individuals with federal crimes. The Justice Department also filed the first criminal charges against several BP employees for obstructing justice, manslaughter, and other crimes. None of the charges against these individuals resulted in any prison time, and no charges were levied against upper level executives. BP's cost for the cleanup, environmental, and economic damages and penalties had reached $54 billion. Following the incident, President Obama issued an executive order specifically citing the Deepwater Horizon oil spill that established the National Ocean Council. The council called together a number of federal committees and departments engaged in ocean issues to work with a newly established committee for conservation and resource management. In June 2018, the executive order establishing the National Ocean Council was revoked by then-U.S. President Donald Trump in an effort to roll back bureaucracy and benefit, quote, ocean industries that employ millions of Americans, end quote. In January 2018, a detailed estimate of the ultimate cost of the oil spill, published in the Journal of Corporate Accounting and Finance, amounted to $145.93 U.S. dollars. The 11 men who lost their lives on the Deepwater Horizon were Aaron Dale Burkeen 37, Carl Keplinger Jr., 38, Dewey Rivette, 48, Shane Rashto, 22, Donald Clark, 49, Stephen Ray Curtis, 40, Gordon Jones, 28, Roy Wyatt Kemp, 27, Keith Blair Manuel, 56, Adam Weiss, 24, and Jason Anderson, 35. Dell, what are your thoughts on this accident and oil spill?
0: It's such a sad case because it's one of those cases that is 100% completely preventable. And these 11 people... Could still be alive if it was not for the greed of the various corporations and the corruption of the federal government that allowed these companies to do whatever the heck they wanted. I think that when you have a very dangerous field like working on the oil rig is, that calls for more governmental oversight, not less. And I do think there was a bit of pointing fingers by all of the parties involved in order to lessen their culpability with what happened. I do think that as we were describing all the different failures that they had, it always brings up the question of why didn't anyone say something? Why didn't anyone listen if people were making complaints? And This is not the first time that this has happened, and it wasn't the last time that it happened. So what can we do to make sure that oil spills like this don't happen and the environmental effects are mitigated when they do happen? I think that it's really curious that BP set up a quote-unquote compensation fund but then was working to deny claims as much as they could. It seems like the fund was set up more for PR than it was them actually accepting responsibility for what they did and trying to make it right. I do think it's good that they were fined. And hopefully... That kind of sets the standard for others that engage in very dangerous activities. I think it is interesting that a whole governmental department was dissolved as a result of this disaster. I do wonder with the new agency, besides splitting up the responsibilities, what else are they doing to make sure that they have more Regulatory control over what's happening. I think that definitely the new department is probably heavily scrutinized and they definitely deserve that reputation for allowing these companies to basically run roughshod over them. I think that BP's reputation likely will never heal from this. I know even now. They get a lot of criticism and, you know, when it comes to brand popularity, they're down there with like Comcast in terms of customers not trusting them and not trusting what they have to say. What are your thoughts on it?
1: I'm right there with you with everything you said. This episode was probably one of the most depressing for me to research and what we say and, you know, all the time, this people over or this is what we say all the time when we do like corporation episodes, profits over people. And this is the epitome of that. It's also the epitome of the U.S. government being controlled by massive corporations, particularly the oil industry, oil and gas after hearing all of this, like you cannot convince me otherwise. I mean, I was already pretty convinced, but I don't know what other evidence people need, if I'm being honest. Just the amount of cost cutting is ridiculous. And BP, in one of the documentaries I watched, and I don't know what year this was from, it could have been these statistics, I think were from 2010, the year that the spill happened. But in the first three months of that year, BP made six billion dollars why are they doing cost cutting practices that save them $100,000? Because that's how simple some of these measures were. It was $100,000 saved. And I understand that they're a business and they were going way over budget with the Deepwater Horizon. It was like a million and a half dollars a day, I think. And they were like five weeks behind, possibly. So that's a lot of money, but. There's almost 200 people on board. This is risky. You know it's risky going in there. I just don't understand why no precautions, no concern was taken care of. And we mentioned so many things in this episode. There's several other things that we didn't mention for like time's sake, that BP, time's sake and I guess clarity too. Particularly BP Transocean to Halliburton were also not great, but That BP decided not to do. And it's absolutely pointless. And there are several people on board that were ignored, people that raised concerns and were ignored by officials. And that just makes my blood boil, honestly. And Del, you mentioned. The funds, the compensation funds, and I didn't mention this in the episode, I had originally put this in and I took it out. But at one point, BP tried to freeze the funds because they accused one of the lawyers that was in control of getting the money to people for like mishandling funds. And then I believe that turned out to be not true. And the same judge that said that they were 67% responsible for this is also the one that oversaw that and he said like this is disgusting the way you guys are acting and what you said too it's mind-blowing that an entire like department within the the government collapsed because of this but i mean it sounds like it needed to happen and i hope that wasn't just a pr thing the government absolutely mishandled this and i'm someone that's very much into the environment and it seems like the environment gets pushed to the side consistently and it's really upsetting and we're going to talk about some of these consequences of the spill in a second but it was the equivalent the amount of oils that was spilled is the equivalent of the exxon valdez spill every four to seven days that's what it was at the time and we don't even know i mean i don't think i couldn't find exact numbers but there's oil that's still out there you know we can't get everything Just the amount of covering up, like you said, and putting the blame on each other is ridiculous. And I wish, I guess we had a government that actually cared about its people and wasn't controlled by corporations and thought of, I guess, the long term future and not just like, let's get money, money, money you kind of mentioned like controversies with offshore drilling and like, how can we get oil and not have these massive spills and accidents that hurt people? I don't know how we do that, how we can, I mean, I guess the way to do it is actually have oversight and people and corporations face penalties or some actual repercussions when they don't follow through Like what you were saying, so much of this all is just PR and it's so frustrating to hear. There were many severe consequences of the oil spill in the Gulf Coast area. So we're going to talk about three big areas or umbrellas Of concern and consequence from the spill. So the first will be wildlife and ecosystem, how they were affected. So in July 2010, it was reported that the spill was, quote, already having a devastating effect on marine life in the Gulf, end quote beaches along the gulf coast were black from oil and according to the satellite images the spill directly affected 70,000 square miles which is roughly the same size as the state of oklahoma by early june 2010 oil had washed up on 125 miles of louisiana's coast and along the mississippi florida and alabama coastlines and that number later grew Cleanup crews were deployed to visible areas. However, these individual cleanup efforts didn't do much for long-term environmental health. To many, this was just a PR stunt. And crew members were paid well, and some believed that that was done to keep them quiet, and so there was no international boycott of BP. Thousands of animals were found covered in oil and rescued, though many more died. Toxins from the oil spill was found to lead to deformities and shortened lifespan in different types of fish. And the oil and dispersant mixture permeated the food chain through zooplankton and chemicals from the spill were found in migratory birds as far away as Minnesota. Chemicals also produced quote-unquote disturbing numbers of mutated fish that scientists and commercial fishers saw in 2012.
0: In the first birthing season for dolphins after the spill, dead baby dolphins washed up along Mississippi and Alabama shorelines at about 10 times the normal number. Endangered sea turtles were also stranded at a higher rate than normal. In 2013, some scientists at the Gulf of Mexico Oil Spill and Ecosystem Science Conference said that as much as one third of the spill oil may have mixed with deep ocean sediments, where it risks damage to the ecosystem and commercial fisheries. That same year, more than 4,600,000 pounds of quote-unquote oiled material was removed from the Louisiana coast. It was first thought that oil had not reached as far as Tampa Bay, Florida. However, a study done in 2013 found that one of the plumes of the Spartan treated oil had reached a shelf 80 miles off the Tampa Bay region. According to researchers, there is, quote, some evidence it may have caused lesions and fish caught in that area, end quote. On April 15, 2014, BP announced that cleanup along the coast was substantially complete. While the United States Coast Guard's work continued using physical barriers such as floating booms, The cleanup workers' objective was to keep the oil from spreading any further.
1: There was also major health effects of the oil spill on people living and working in the area. Mike Robichaud, a Louisiana physician, described the situation as, quote, the biggest public health crisis from a chemical poisoning in the history of the country, end quote. By June 2010, 143 spill exposure cases thought to be caused by chemicals from the oil and dispersant had been reported to the Louisiana Department of Health and Hospitals. 108 of those involved workers in the cleanup efforts, while 35 were reported by residents. Cleanup workers were also found to have extremely high levels of chemicals in their blood. Workers reported that they were not allowed to use respirators and that they were regularly threatened if they did ask. An independent investigation for Newsweek showed that BP did not hand out the legally required safety manual for use with Corexit and were not provided with safety training or protective gear. A 2012 survey of the health effects of the spill on cleanup workers reported, quote, eye, nose, and throat irritation, respiratory problems, blood and urine, vomit, and rectal bleeding, seizures, skin irritation, burning, and lesions, short-term memory loss and confusion, central nervous system effects, and nervous system damage, hypertension, and miscarriages, end quote.
0: Dr. James Diaz, writing for the American Journal of Disaster Medicine, said these elements appearing in the Gulf reflected those reported after previous oil spills like the Exxon Valdez. He also warned that, quote, chronic adverse health effects, including cancers, liver and kidney disease, mental health disorders, birth defects, and developmental disorders, should be anticipated among sensitive populations and those most heavily exposed, end quote. In 2013, during the three-day, quote, Gulf of Mexico Oil Spill and Ecosystem Science Conference, end quote, findings discussed including a, quote-unquote, significant percentage of Gulf residents reporting mental health problems like anxiety, depression, and PTSD. These studies also show that the bodies of former spill cleanup workers carry biomarkers of, quote, many chemicals contained in the oil, end quote. A biomarker is anything that can be used as an indicator of a particular disease state or some other physiological state of an organism. A study that investigated the health effects among children in Louisiana and Florida living less than 10 miles from the coast found that more than a third of the parents reported physical or mental health symptoms among their children. The parents reported unexplained symptoms among their children, including bleeding ears, nosebleeds the early start administration among girls, end quote. According to David Abramson, director of Columbia University's National Center for Disaster Preparedness. Lastly,
1: we'll take a look at just a few of the economic consequences of this bill. Estimates of lost tourism dollars were projected to cost the Gulf coastal economy up to $22.7 billion through 2013. In addition, Louisiana reported that lost visitor spending through the end of 2010 totaled $32 million and losses through 2013 were expected to total $153 million in that state alone. The U.S. Tribal Association estimated that the economic impact of the oil spill on tourism across the Gulf Coast over a three-year period could exceed approximately $23 billion in a region that supports over 400,000 travel industry jobs, generating $34 billion in revenue
0: annually. The Gulf of Mexico commercial fishing industry was estimated to have lost $247 million as a result of post-spill fishery closures. One study projects that the overall impact of lost or degraded commercial recreational and mariculture fisheries in the Gulf could be $8.7 billion by 2020, with a potential loss of 22,000 jobs over the same time frame. Following the disaster, there was a six-month offshore drilling moratorium put in place by the U.S. government on the outer continental shelf, which stopped work on 33 rigs. Local officials in Louisiana expressed concerns that it would further harm the economies of coastal communities as the oil industry directly or indirectly employs about 318,000 Louisiana residents, 17% of all jobs in the state. BP also dropped from the second to the fourth largest of the four major oil companies by 2013. During the crisis, BP gas stations in the United States reported a sales drop of between 10 and 40 percent due to backlash against the company. Dell,
1: what are your thoughts on these consequences we just talked about?
0: So starting with the wildlife consequences, it's just sad, honestly, because it's one of those things where These innocent creatures that have nothing to do with the way that us humans decide to damage the planet are feeling the effects of it. Like, it just breaks my heart to hear about dead baby dolphins washing up on shorelines. You have sea turtles that are left stranded. They don't have their parents. And then, of course, you just have the erosion of the coastline, which is already being damaged by climate change, and you're just adding on another thing on top of that. Um, The next thing that we talked about was the health effects. And honestly, it's not surprising. When you have these materials that are highly contaminated, And highly toxic to humans, of course, you're gonna have a wide range of ill effects. And that's something that should be taken into consideration when you're determining where you're gonna be placed in these rigs. Because you need to look at if there is a failure, how many people are we affecting? And you know, that leads into the economy and the fact that you had tens of billions of dollars lost. Yet, BP, though it dropped out of, like, the top two spot, it's still a very profitable company, making more than the lost tourism dollars, likely, of all of these states. And honestly, I just feel so bad for Louisiana. It's like they just can't catch a break. Whether it's a natural disaster, whether it's an oil spill, Anything like that, it seems like they get the brunt of the worst damage and are always trying to rebuild their communities and have people trust that they can come to Louisiana and be safe and be able to prosper. But then you hear stories like this and you hear stories about other disasters and you're like, what did Louisiana do in a previous life to deserve all of this destruction uh what are your thoughts on it
1: it's also devastating i'm an animal person so to hear about these effects is on the wildlife is really sad and like we said it it does start with you know the littlest creature that the next creature is going to eat and eat and eat and that's how it spreads i mean you know if we're if there's like a toxin in the air we're affected by it so it's Something in the water is clearly going to hurt these animals. And dolphins are mammals. were mammals, too. Like, you'd think they'd be affected in similar ways. There's not enough words to express. How much I don't like this corrects it. <laughs> and how my mind is just blown that, I mean, this isn't the only thing that the U.S. allows, but Europe doesn't allow, chemical-wise, cleaner-wise, food-wise. It's just really devastating to hear. And we named, like what, like 15 different things that it can do to harm your body. And we decided to put that in the water right where it could flow out. I mean, it doesn't take a, a genius to think, hey, maybe that's not a good idea. And I think for you know years on end, we're probably going to be seeing some of these effects of people that were exposed, You know, what's going to happen to their kids and their kids. And if you ate fish or shrimp, That was in this area that was affected. How are you going to be affected? We don't really know all of that. And that's really scary. Going off of the cleanup workers that are affected, BP really was threatening them to not use respirators and they weren't providing them with the proper equipment. Like, BP is rotted and they need to go. I know we mentioned they obviously did have economic effects. And I mean, frankly, I don't really care about them. Like they deserve to be, to lose money, but it's ridiculous. I don't understand how evil corporations can be. I mean, I'm sure there's many other corporations that are just as bad, but they're pretty despicable in this situation. And yeah, effects on this area... You know, I don't know what the income, general income of people in the Gulf Coast area is, but it took a massive hit. And I'm sure that took a long time to recover. And then with COVID too, not to bring that into it, but I'm sure that maybe they were just like setting themselves back up. And then COVID happened. Like it's a horrible thing. And again, all these long term effects and. What those local officials were saying, that's a valid concern. You know, we want to take care of the environment and the people that were exposed and to not have this risk of further oil spills and the dangers that come with working in this industry. But at the same time, so many people need these jobs to survive. What do you do in that situation? I don't know. I mean, I hope in the future we can have some kind of happy medium like we were saying, more oversight and safety taken into consideration. I mean, I think an investment in like cleaner energy would be good, but I'm sure that has its risks for people working too. It's a difficult position for everyone, and I don't think it's something – we talk about as often, I couldn't really find any more recent articles about how the region is doing economically, how these people are doing health wise, how the ecosystem, how the marine life is doing either. I couldn't really find anything that was that recent. So I mean, hopefully someone is looking into it and keeping an eye on things. The whole situation is just devastating.
0: That wraps up this week's case. Thank you for listening. Let us know in the comments what you think about the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. You can read more about this case and how to support us in the links below. We will be back next week with another new episode. As always, stay safe.